If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 402 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka Shawnee Podcast, the pod god, the scoring lord. Lots of the suits there. Some people call me after predicting a draw correctly at the weekend. Lots of different nicknames. Joined today by the Dominic Calvert Lewin of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about a massive week in the world of mixed martial arts. Maybe the fight of the year went down at the weekend, but we get into all of that in a minute. But before we get to that, roses are red, violets are blue, and our friends at Manscaped have a gift for you. They're now selling beard products. That's right, the leader in grooming, uh, in men's grooming even, are revolutionizing the men's hygiene game once again with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It all starts with that Beard Hedger. It's a cordless trimmer that has a rotary wheel with 20 hair cutting lengths. You saw Michael Bisping at the weekend talking about it. Absolutely brilliant. And Valentine's Day uh, is coming up. So if you want to get one, put in your order now. It's even better. You can save 20% off and get free shipping over at manscaped.com using the code SEVEREMMA. Uh, the Beard Hedger Pro Kit is the ultimate tool to get the perfect look for Valentine's Day and beyond. 7 million men worldwide already trust, trust Manscaped with their balls, so it's tr- it's time to trust it with the hair up top too. With this new kit, you can take your grooming routine to the next level. The Beard Hedger is an electric beard hair trimmer and it's a premium beard sculpting, sc- sculpting? Sculpt, sculpting machine. That's a hard word to say. Along with having only one guard, uh, leaving little mess. It's also waterproof. You can shave in the shower to avoid all of that hair around the bathroom and all of that stuff on the floor and the whole lot. Plus, the titanium coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They also have four dermatologist-tested formulations. I've absolutely fucked up that word. Uh, first, there is the beard shampoo and conditioner. Uh, you need to remember all your hair is different. Beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage, so you need the shampoo and conditioner. For that, then, to have Manscaped's beard oil, known once a guy whose beard is brittle and dry, and the oil relieves both dryness on the beard and the skin beneath it while adding a bit of shine. Uh, cap it off with the beard balm a pomade that shapes styles moisturizes and tames for the sculpted look so the beard uh, hedger pro kit also comes with three free gifts the beard brush comb scissors to ensure you have all the tools for the perfect beard from first impression to last you're going to love it and everyone who sees your improved facial hair game will love it too so get 20 percent off with free shipping Using code SEVERE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code SEVERE. Spice up Valentine's Day this year with Manscaped's beer 
Beard, Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 links. Okay, Graham, let's, uh, let's talk a bit of, of mixed martial arts. We obviously had a UFC 284 going down uh, late on, on Saturday night. Do you know what? This was a pretty bad card up until the main card, which is... You know, that's all right, because we, we, we give me a good main card over a good undercard any day. We want both, preferably, but this was, uh, you know, this was a card that kind of opened up with a split decision for Brenner. We might, we might talk about that, actually, in a while, because that was a close decision. Blake Builder, man, that one. Luma Lookboon got a finish. That was good. Jack Jenkins looked good, but it was another decision. Jamie Malarkey, Prado, Prado was so bad. Another decision. Then Clinton Rodriguez gave us a bit. That was pretty good. Joshua Kulabau with Alan Philpott in his corner. That was pretty good. Bukowskis and Pedro will get into that, but another draw, a dr- another fight, sorry, a, dr- a decision, a draw to open the, the main card. But then we had knockout, submission, submission, and one of the fights of the year in the main event. And let's start with that fight of the year in the main event. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush here because... What a fight it was. I know there was a lot of debate afterwards about who won and what you think the score was and all of that. But I don't think that is where we should start today. And we get into all of that. But we have to appreciate what a beautiful, brilliant fight this was. It was the pound for pound number one against the pound for pound number two. Champion versus champion. A genuine super fight. And we produced one of the best fights in UFC history, I think. like, And, and may, may, maybe it's not, you know, top five or top ten or anything like that. But maybe it's, it's probably top 25 or something like that. Which is still a high-level, brilliant fight. And I absolutely loved it from the very start to the very end. Because it might have been a fight like you know, Junior Dos Santos versus Mark Hunt is always the one that stands out to me. That edgier seat through the whole thing. Someone's going to get knocked out. It wasn't one like that. But it was kind of edgier seat the whole way. Like, because it was close. Because there was a little, few different swings and roundabouts. Because Volkanovski was kind of stopping the takedowns out a few times. And then getting up from takedowns and then there was knockdowns and it was such a back and forth fight it it just it, to me it had it all it had the skill it had the intrigue it had the closeness it had the you know the, the impact I suppose if you want to say that on the strikes as well I just absolutely loved this fight from start to finish one of my favourite fights of all time I can't wait I, I haven't watched it back yet but I can't wait to go back and watch it maybe even for the Q&A and maybe go back and do a rewatch in a few weeks time or something like that again because this is one I think you could probably watch five or six different times and get five or six different reactions from it but this is the initial reaction Graham that we have what what was your initial reaction while watching the fight and now uh, the morning after I suppose yeah, I agree with you. It was absolutely brilliant. Definitely a fight of the year contender, if not the fight of the year so far. Uh, you know, it had it had its ups and downs for both guys. It's, it was swinging uh, forward and backward. It had the jeopardy. It had the it had the belts on the line, and it, it had the close matchup and the the different styles. And you know, both guys were really going for it. Um, Islam was obviously waiting a little bit more, trying to pick a shot a bit more. Uh, Volk was trying to. You know, at the very start of the fight, anyway, he he, he was having success, gonna you know, getting in his face and trying to um, trying to uh, put the pressure on. But then he obviously got hit with that big shot, and even though it was it was um, it was kind of a forearm shot more than anything, but it definitely had a big impact. Uh, you could see that it it uh, stopped. Um, 
walk in his tracks and you know that was the first kind of swing it about but there was many kind of swings and ups and downs and just a brilliant fight and you know until the very end uh, although I uh, will get into the scoring afterwards although uh, like you know we can debate who what rounds went to which nobody was, I don't think anybody was sure who was winning uh, going into the fifth round it was all on the line and Volk obviously you know uh, brought it in the fifth round and it was just an absolutely brilliant performance from both guys in in different ways and just a really entertaining fight and yeah uh, all the talk is probably going to be as it always is about the judging and about who which round should have went to who but what a fight like uh, leaving all that aside for a moment like what a what a fight from both guys they both really wanted the boat went for it you know and you know they both had uh, to overcome adversity at times and they both had to get off the canvas and just absolutely brilliant stuff just absolutely brilliant 100% it's funny at the end of these fights as well we all like my analysis and their analysis as well watching a couple of the interviews they did afterwards I'm like, sorry before what? you say the crowd definitely played a part yes. in it as well obviously big Massive. big uh, pops for everything Volkanovski was doing but just uh, yeah just brilliant crowd as well which definitely adds to the the feeling of a huge fight and, and the crowd added to the whole night as well I think because like the crowd had the perfect feel. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't bullying, I suppose, on the away fighters, if you want to say that, or it wasn't tough on them. It wasn't, you but were going to die, you were going to die, you were going to die. <laughs> yeah, it was very supportive of the hometown fighters. But it had the perfect, like, mix of, like, drunk while not on cocaine, if you want to <laughs> Like if, if you get me, they were like they were fun, but they weren't like too much and didn't get tired towards the end. As I, you know, it was one of those ones. I, I, I think the crowd really, really added it, and the Aussie fans all week and Australia in general always makes MMA so enjoyable. And we're lucky we have that here in Ireland as well. But they were absolutely fantastic. But just to pop back to the fight, I, I think like so to, to talk about maybe the analysis, like the analysis after all of those big fights, right, where. Two lads who've never fought before, who are absolutely high level, come out of the fight, and they and me watching it, any analyst watching it, and them watching it can think, "Oh my god, I could have done this, 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 and this so much better than I did in that fight." But you only learn that after the fight, so that's why I think like sometimes rematches can be maybe not even better, but can be can be closer and can be more tactical and maybe tactically better, maybe then more exciting. Like, I don't think you get a more exciting fight than this between the two. Maybe you get even a tactically better one, if that's even possible, or a technically better one. But that's almost like a, a sidebar to what actually happened in the fight because you 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 could see both of them standing there trying to figure each other out. Like they were they're the whole fight nearly. Like I, I don't I actually think even in the fifth round they were they were both still trying to figure each other out. It was one of those fights. Like Makachev was willing to strike with Volkanovsky, but as I predicted coming in, Volkanovsky's ability to move made Makachev have to strike him a lot more than he'd want to. Now, he did well with the, the takedown defense and he did well getting back up and stuff as well, but I firmly believe it was a lot of his movement, his switching stances, not being a static target that made it very hard for Makachev to even attempt to get in to take him down at times. But then the big problem with that was Volkanovski actually had to adjust where he was maybe more active in that than he'd want to be all he was kind of doing at times was being a static target and showing that uppercut as we saw uh, for maybe the first two or three minutes of the fight 
which he wouldn't normally do. So to, to fight in that sort of way, he's always moving, always going back and forth. But in he does it for usually for his own good in terms of his offense. This time it was for defense. He was a way more defensively moving fighter than an offensively moving fighter in this fight than he normally would be. Now, it helps him defensively as well, and it helped him uh, in, in other fights. It helped him defensively as well in this fight, but it hurt his offense an awful lot. He wasn't able to get that jab going as much as he uh, would like. I, I'd say I don't, I don't, I'm not a big one for stats, but I guarantee you if you look at the stats, he didn't la- land half as many shots in this fight than he did in previous fights. But that's a necessity when you're fighting someone like Islam Makachev. And then for Makachev on the other side of it, he was so much more powerful that it helped him in rounds where probably Volkanovski was just ahead to take those rounds, especially in the first two. Just hit him a little bit harder than Volkanovski was able to hit him and took the round. That happened both in the, in the first and in the second round. And it was very interesting how that actually worked out. But by the time it came to the third round and Volkanovski kind of got that... Um, confidence in himself that okay I've been taken down now a couple of times and pushed against defense and I realize I can actually go with this guy here he opened up a little bit more he landed his shots a little bit more and it wasn't even that opened up I suppose a little more because he wasn't in harder or throwing big knockout blows or anything but he was getting going he was getting into his game a little bit more and that led to him arguably winning you know three four and five we get into that uh, in a minute but I think the tactics of that were absolutely brilliant now Islam had success with the wrestling at times he did take him down he did have you know top control or or back control at times during the fight but that was only good enough because he could land those big shots on the feet and it's funny for Islam because we we talked about his striking and uh, his striking is definitely not as good as Volkanovski's but Volkanovski wasn't able to have that gap in ability of striking for the reasons I just said he was fighting in a different way and he, there was a massive gap in terms of the power and Islam was able to land that power so it was very smart from Islam he picked his moments on the feet and he landed the big shots Cheeto Vera Rob Font type of fight remember that where Font is winning 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 Cheeto Vera bang knocked down won the round five times in a row or four times out of five or whatever it was Islam was doing that so this like I think both guys went up in my estimation after this because of the adjustments they made where they can still be top level fighters where they were both intelligent even though maybe it brought down their overall game from what we're used to but it made them more competitive with each other in each other's realms in this fight and it's a very complicated fight right but that's my take from it and that was my tactical analysis of the fight watching it was like this is such a like a smorgasbord of different analytics playing into each other here where the adjustments in the striking from both guys made them different the adjustment in wrestling that Makachev had to do because of that striking made him different and in Volkanovski when he was on the ground and fighting a guy who like Mikachev had to defend and grapple very differently because he was fighting a guy like Mikachev and he wouldn't allow him to do anything else. And that was just brilliant and just absolutely fascinating to watch to see how high level both guys can be in those areas. And it was an absolute fucking joy. What, what did you think of the whole tactics of it, Graham? And watching it live, what, what was your kind of, uh, what was your breakdown of it, I suppose? 
Yeah, like I think I think Volk was making more infoid adjustments. He was kind of changing it up a lot and maybe kind of decided on a more a more defensive um kind of output that, that that you kind of mentioned there, but he still was pressuring uh, selecting his moments of pressure. Makachev just stayed very patient. Uh kind of waited for his, his moments to land those shots and just stayed very calm as well under under a lot of pressure at times as well, which which is definitely um, you know, probably the most pressure he's been under uh in any of his fights. And, you know, obviously the takedowns that he got, uh he didn't really land any big ground and pound or come uh, very close to to getting a finish, but he made Volk have to worry about that and, you know, um uh, didn't just didn't just strike with him uh, in a pure kickboxing way, the, the threat of the takedown was always there, and he did time him a, f- a few really nice takedowns as well, especially that one in the middle of the cage where I think, I think Volk was actually playing up to the crowd a bit. I think they mentioned it in the the commentary, and I, I was thinking that even before they said it, that uh, he was kind of scooting towards the cage, and he kind of was I don't know like playing up to the crowd a little bit and got his back taken, and you know that round ended up being crucial. So that was like an uncharacteristic mistake there that maybe the the crowd playing up to the crowd maybe actually in the end lost the fight for him or put him in a position that ended up maybe um think the judge is thinking that he that, that he lost that round even if you know that round is very debatable uh, i've seen a lot of people score that for for volk as well so uh yeah that was obviously um nearly the only kind of uh even though he lost the fight uh, on the decision that was the only kind of criticism i'd have of Volk's performance and I wouldn't really have any criticisms of of Makachev's performance. It was really, really, you know, brilliant performance for both guys. And I, I think on my scorecard anyway, I, I had it just for Makachev, but I can see it both ways. But, you know, a, a different test than he's faced before and he overcame it really well, stayed calm and mixed up his game, even when it wasn't working maybe as uh, as it usually works in the grappling department. He wasn't having as, as much success. He still... He still stuck to the to the game plan really well against a guy in Volk who's who's really a good, a good game planner and a high fight IQ and able to able to make adjustments in the fight which we saw him do. Yeah, hundred percent. It's all very interesting. We'll get into the scoring in a second, but I think one last point for me and maybe on the, the technique of it and, of all, and all. Like, so I saw a few people saying the size was a massive issue here, and. I, <laughs> I don't think it really was, to be honest. I thought it might have been, but I don't think it played out that way. I think the power was more an issue here. Like, Volkanovski would have won the game, would have won the fight, would have won the tactical game if it wasn't for those two, like, big power shots. And, you know, okay. I suppose a bigger a bigger guy can land a bigger shot, so. Yeah, it's true. But, but McCatchew is a very powerful guy. Like, we on the previous show, if anyone listened to it, we talked about that. Like, myself and Ian, one of them, I think it was last, maybe Monday or Tuesday, we sat down and we watched about seven or eight different McCatchew fights and from an analytical point of view and looked at him. And, like, the, the, the take from that was that he's not the best technical fighter in the world, but he hits damn hard, really, really, really hard. And that was kind of exactly what showed here. I think um, Volkanovski showed that he can fight in a better technical way than McCatchew. Although not as much as I thought and not as much as a lot of people thought, so absolute credit to McCatchew. But McCatchew will have the... The, the power to be able to rock anyone because he hit so hard. I think it was yeah. going that way that, that you were kind of talking about there until, what, about two minutes into the first round or a little less. It kind of was looking like that. And then, obviously, there was a big shot and felt the power and kind of had to respect the power. And, 
you know, had to kind of change it up a little bit. But for a while there in the first round, it was kind of looking like uh, Volk was going to have too much of him on the feet. Yeah, it was. But fair play to Volk. Like, fair play to Islam for able to, to drop him a couple of times. But Volk and obviously to come back as well, you know, kind of get a couple of takedowns of his own, in fairness. And I agree with you in that fourth round. It was a bit of a mistake. So let's talk about the scoring. We, we might as well. Uh, did you score? Was it one, two, and four you scored for Makachev? Yeah, with the mm-hmm. second and the fourth being really close as well. You know, the second, I think, is a little bit more clear cut, but, you know, it was really close as well. And then the fourth round, I think, you know, obviously the taking the back is great and all, but he did eat a lot of kind of small rapid punches over his head. I don't know how much force he could really get into them. There was a couple that looked harder than others, but I think Islam did enough with um, before it hit the ground. With It was a nice left hand followed a few seconds later by a right hand that did seem to be acknowledged or kind of there was a nod from Volk as if nice shot and I think that was there was a couple of nice shots there I think that was that was just enough and you know you're showing okay that hurt me and or you know nice one there mate like and you know that can swing rounds and little mistakes like that or little mistakes like the kind of the crowd as well that can swing like such a fucking tight fight like this it's such a tight round and I think it did and I think if he had a you know if he had it again it might be a different story but you know you you know, Makachev might have done things differently as well if he needed to in the fifth round. I think that was the biggest mistake and throughout the whole fight. Volkanovski kept saying, Oh, you hit me there, nice one, or whatever. Oh, you can't, like, why are you why are you admitting that to the judge? Like, complete, just play it off and like have yeah. the some. Crowd, the crowd were doing what he should have been doing. The crowd were yeah. no selling everything that landed on him and fucking popping for everything that he, that he did, even if it didn't land. And he should have been playing along and <laughs> maybe it would have been a different scorecard. Yeah. Um. So, like, I, I had a. I had all the rounds the same as you, except for the fourth. I, I gave that to Volkanovski, but it's very close. We'll talk about that in a second. Like the the first round, I think. Uh, okay, the the only dissenting rounds for the judges was the the third round. Um, two judges gave that to Volkanovski. One judge gave it to uh, Makachev. Um, I, look, I think that's it was a close round, but it's a Volkanovski round. So look, two yeah, two yeah. out of three judges. No, I was very surprised right. with the, yeah, I was a bit surprised with that as well. Yeah. Volkanovski won that. The first round, the first two rounds, Makachev won both of those rounds because he simply landed the more impactful shots throughout the two of them. As we both kind of said, there maybe the the the, the tactical uh, part of the fight was being won by Volkanovski, but the impactful part of the fight in the first two rounds was being won by, by Islam. And I, I like, it, they're all, all of these are close rounds, especially the second round can, can swing a lot because Volkanovski hit him too and put him down too. But so that's the, the first three rounds. And in the fifth round, that's a, that's probably the easiest round. That's the only easy round of the fight to score. That was an obvious Volkanovski round. You know, it was relatively close up until the end where Volkanovski dropped him hard, ground and pounded, definitely won that round. So there's no debate over that. So I think, look, one, two, three, and five, We kind of, most people would agree with that. I think the first two for Islam, the third and fifth for Volkanovski. So it all comes down to this fourth round. And it's an interesting fourth round because, as I said, I don't really look at the stats, but I saw six shots of impactfulness for uh, Volkanovski and four for Mikachev. So that's the uh, that's the fighting on defeat basically before they went to the ground. Basically null and void. Nothing much really happened there. Even though Islam, I don't know. There was that noise left followed by a couple of seconds later by that right that he nodded to. I think that 
yeah. definitely kind of stopped him in his tracks. I think made him he was of, uh, take yeah. a few seconds off. I think he was. Yeah, I think Islam was just ahead, right? So if you want to score at null and void, what happened afterwards, which is fine. I think giving Islam that round, I've no problem with that at all. To be honest, I think he was just ahead, but it was very, very marginal. But then we had like this, whatever it was, two and a half minutes. It, it felt like ten minutes uh, on the back, but <laughs> however long it was, and. This is a very interesting debate, and this is very interesting how you judge this, right? Because I look at you look at this in two different ways, and people, you know, I saw some people saying last night about he was, you know, octagon control and cage control and all that. It's not that. What you need to look at here is effective striking and effective grappling, right? And we didn't have any effective striking or effective grappling in this. Uh, two and a half, three minutes, whatever it was, we had striking grappling, bits and pieces of both of them. Those little punches from uh, Volkanovski into the face were not big, effective, significant strikes, right? They weren't, but they added up. He had landed a good few strikes. They added up. For Makachev, he didn't have a rear naked choke. He didn't land big ground. I mean, he landed a few shots, but not much. He but landed a couple of decent ones. He landed Paris. a couple, but the point is, he was making Volkanovski, especially for the first minute or whatever it was, he was making Volkanovski defend a lot. He was getting the hand under the chin a little bit. Volkanovski would have to pry it off. That is that counts as an effective grappling more than just holding the position. So if you want to look at that, right, and say he has the position for three minutes, he should score from that. No, but he should score for the attempts to get the chokes, for going for submissions. When you see Volkanovski having to defend, he deserves the score from that. So if you want to give that round to Islam based on that, I, I can't disagree with you on that at all because that was that as effective a grappling as the strikes that Volkanovski was throwing. I think there's a debate there. This is why like there's no such thing as a robbery ranting in this fight. But this is uh, <laughs> this is the minutia of judging that is so intricate you'd want to have a fucking hour of a debate or a chat with a judge or, or a seminar with a judge to look at it and to actually understand it and it's very hard because I, I disagreed with the judges I scored it the other way the reason I scored it the other way was this right so um, Islam had the back control he was attempting submissions and after a while he stopped attempting submissions so there was Volkanovski was kind of holding the hand he wasn't defending massively he wasn't defending for his life the, ha the arm wasn't getting under the chin or anything like that and then he started throwing those couple of punches and he threw a few punches and threw a few punches and then there was like these punches are okay these are starting to add up they're not massive punches but they're starting to add up and then at the end he actually landed a couple of good ones from there that you know made uh, Islam move and made, made him you know made, made, made him you know hurt him a little bit not, not massively hurt or anything but they were more significant than the strikes that came before. So you're looking at that thing, uh, right? I, I don't know if he but, hurt him, but no, yeah, he didn't. Right. No, he did, he, uh, hurt is the wrong word, but he, he hit him hard. He wouldn't want to take those shots again, right? Even though they were in that weird position. Like, you look at that and you think, there's a decision to be made there then. Who had the more impactful stuff in that position? Was it the submission attempts or the grappling attempts, if you want to put it that way, of Islam Makhachev, or was it those rabbit punches? Of Volkanovsky. It's a coin toss. It is a real yeah. coin toss. There's nothing much there. There yeah. really is much there. For me, it does come down to the start of the round with the with the uh, the punches I mentioned, the left and then the, the right that was acknowledged. I think that that's you know, very fair. The, very the grappling fair. and the the kind of small punches over your shoulder where you can't really get 
you know, the force and the velocity that you're looking for, but they they are obviously, you know, landing and Volkanovski, or sorry, uh, Islam's probably thinking, uh, if I take, you know, a hundred of these, maybe they'll score the round against me. I don't, I think it was more a tactical decision to, to move than, oh, this is hurting me. So I think to me, that round came down to those two punches. And, you know, maybe other people think that those little kind of rabbit over the show, over, over the thing punches were enough to add up and over, to, to overtake the, the start of the round. And that's fair enough. It's obviously a really close round. And I don't think like if, you know, it had been a split decision or if a judge had to send it or if it had been, you know, going the other way to Volkanovski, I don't think, you know, too many people would have been arguing too hard either. Like, but if you uh, look at that round backwards, all right. And this happens a lot in fights, but, Let's say Volkanovski was, uh, yeah, um, uh, Islam had the back of Volkanovski in the first three minutes of the round and they got up from that position and let's say Volkanovski, you thought he was a bit ahead because of the strikes. Let, let's, maybe that's not how everyone sees it, but let's say that is it. Would the shots that Islam landed be enough to take away that round from Volkanovski uh in the, like the, the shots that he's like, I, I, I think first. I think so. Just just oh, about know. though, you know, but like just it, about like yeah. it's not a it's not a big hurtful shot. It's not a knockdown. It's not a big impactful shot. There, I don't think. Like I've actually no problem with scoring the round based on what you said there, and I, that's a hundred percent. I can see that logic. But if it's the other way around, like you usually need a very big impactful shot to take a round like that, where there are a lot of shots landed in it even if they aren't massively impactful, if you get me. Because, like, it, it needs to show a massive immediate impact. Maybe, look, maybe I'll go back and watch it again. But, like, I I was leaning Volkanovski, but it, it is a kind of... Like, I, I can... Uh, like, I was thinking, like, whoa, who am I going to give it to? But you know what? This is a, a wider debate as well, because I actually think... I I score that fight right, and this is this is I mean, people might not believe this, but this is this is true, right? I scored that round to Volkanovski on my interpretation of the criteria. If you want to give my opinion of how that round should be scored, I think that round should be scored for uh, Makachev. I think that I think that's maybe a little bit where you know people who say. Do you think there should be more emphasis on being able to? Get the body triangle on the back and things like that, or or why would you? I, I, what rules I would you adjust? Yeah, I think it's gone a little bit too far. Like I've, I've, I people maybe get taken away sometimes by the way I talk and in such such factualities about the scoring criteria and all, and confuse it with what I think sh- should be scored in a fight, like. I, I listen to Luke Thomas. I listen to a few other people talking about it and saying that like grappling and wrestling and jujitsu isn't scored high enough in MMA. We should have more emphasis on that. And I, I, I would, I, I think I agree with that. To be honest, now that's not the way we have it at the moment. Yeah. I disagree with some of the slight, the detailed rules in soccer. But when it happens, that's the rule. Yes, you know what I mean? Exactly, and that's why I talk about it in this way, and that's what we have done for the last ten minutes here. But my own opinion on it would be that I think the Volkanovsky, the, what Mikachev did there was a more effective MMA fighting, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, technique than what Volkanovsky was doing, and it should have score more, but, but it doesn't. If Volkanovsky is in that situation and the rules are different, he probably acts differently. You know, he yeah, he knows true. the criteria. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting. It is very. And that's 100% true because well, people fight to the criteria we have. Like they fight 
to because we have rounds and, <laughs> and yeah. and maybe Islam is more wrestle heavy than even he was if the rules are you know <laughs> yeah. it just changes that's everything true. yeah it, it is true and that's a big reason why wrestling isn't scored more but I think like there could be a happy medium in there and you know like this this thing that Big John McCarthy was talking about during the MVP Storley fight as well where like we score more heavily based on where the fight takes place now that's the thing that came from the old criteria that's not in the new criteria but maybe that's something like i don't think that's something we should fully bring back right because then we'll have john fitch john fitch john fitch john fitch in a lot of fights if you get me and we don't want that anymore but you know that's definitely look that's a discussion for another day we could spend an hour talking about that i suppose but in this fight it was definitely it was definitely too far in the past it was too far one way and now maybe you're saying it's a little bit it probably is a little bit too far too much yeah but I think from the past point, we probably needed to adjust that 50%. From here, I think we only need to adjust it 5%, if I'm being honest, back to that. And it, But you know what the biggest problem with that, right? It's easy at times to write score effective striking, score effective grappling. And we can see like what an effective strike is or what effective grappling is in terms of going for submissions or getting someone in a rear naked choke or an arm bar or anything like that. But to score like the the minutiae of effective grappling when it's maybe not going for a submission. Let's say McCatch have had that position with the body triangle for like two or three minutes and didn't attack at all with submissions. To be able to write in the criteria that that scores... But holding someone maybe in, uh, in uh, uh, you're in their guard for the same amount of time doesn't score. That's a very hard thing to write. Like, how the fuck do you write that? <laughs> you know, and uh, that's that's a big problem we have. But anyway, we'll we'll forget about that because we don't want to get into like a complete judging debate here. But uh, it was just such a great fight, such a close fight, t- toss of a kind, and and don't get hung up in the judging. I don't think I think it was was very very close. Um. What do you think should happen next, Graham? Like, I, I do get carried away sometimes, and I just think rematch, 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 rematch. Is is the rematch the right thing to do, or do you think they should both move on here? You know, I enjoyed the fight so much that I probably, <laughs> if they announced the rematch, I'd be pretty happy. Um, maybe you know, uh, you know, they'll just move on because it wasn't really, you know, if it was a split decision or if there was a, a bit more controversy, maybe it would it, it would lead them in, into it straight away, but. You know, it's probably it's probably the time to do it. Like you know, um, I uh, I think it will depend on the numbers, how it trended, uh, more than anything. Really, I think from from a sporting point of view, I'd absolutely love to see it from an entertainment point of view and all that stuff. But it, it does come down to numbers in a lot of ways, and I think I don't know how this was trending or anything, but you know, hopefully, a lot of people tuned in to see it because it was a brilliant fight. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sure what the numbers are. Like I wouldn't really have any idea. Like we haven't had numbers in a long, real numbers in a long time since since the ESPN deal. Um, yeah, I'd like to see it, but I, I think it depends on the numbers. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, cause I, I look at featherweight. We know we we'll talk about the featherweight fight here in a second. No spoilers for a second, because maybe I think it kind of spices up the featherweight division as well. It does. Like, even though Volkanovski's been so brilliant to watch over the years, I think you know having a dominant champion sometimes can kind of take away from the, the other fights if people don't really believe that the the person has a chance against the champion. And obviously, um, we'll talk about the co-main event uh, in a minute, but. You know, uh, 
it probably makes it more exciting without Volkanovski kind of being there at the top of the division, ready to kind of beat everybody comfortably. It, I think it even made it more exciting last night, seeing like who the next challenger is actually going to be, because I felt for a long time we didn't really have that. Now we do have something there, but at lightweight it's a little bit different then, because like Charles Oliveira is fighting uh, Benil Darius, it looks like coming up. Justin Gaethje is going to fight in Rafael Fazayev coming up in a few weeks here. Mike Chandler obviously fighting Conor McGregor. What's the crack with Dustin Barry? We don't know. So there isn't like an obvious choice there. Maybe if if Fazayev wins, maybe you know he'll get the shot. Maybe if Darius beats uh, Char- uh, Charles Oliveira, he'll get the shot. But that's a little bit down the line as well. So it's interesting. There, like, what way? What way do you think the UFC will go? Do you think it'll be the rematch or? No, I think they'll move on. I think they'll do Yair and Volkanovski. I think they'll probably do it in uh, in Mexico and have a big fight there. And then I think they'll, you know, I think they'll probably just keep Islam out for a while. Maybe put him on on one of the uh, Abu Dhabi cards if they have one coming up in the summer or later in the year. Because he kind of said that as well. I think last night afterwards he wants to fight in like I don't know August or something like that. Um, so it'd be enough time to have one of those fights happen. Like maybe I don't know if Falk yeah. talked about it much in the in the lead up, but I don't know if he wants to go down to forty five again. That could be a thing, you know. Obviously. You know, he's not huge, huge for, for 40 for 145 pounds. We've seen bigger guys, but it's still a big weight cut. And you know, um, going through a camp for 55, a couple of camps for 55, he might think, you know, I like it here, and he might think I won that fight, or I can make a slight adjustment to win that fight and be the champion here. And he might want to stay there, that could be a factor in it as well. Yeah, very interesting. I think it'll be very interesting to see what uh, what actually happens. Like, from a selfish point of view, I would absolutely love to see the rematch. I think, I think, like, the fact that we have an interim champion. At 145, like, if he wants to defend that belt, Arnold Allen is there. I know he's supposed to fight Max Holloway, but, like, let's let's get rid of that fight. Uh, and let's, let's have Arnold Allen versus Yair Rodriguez. And then we have basically, like, three possible interim fights at lightweight that are happening now. And then, yeah, that's no problem. So, yeah, I, I would love to see it. Uh, one last thing before we move on. So, Volkanovski came in at number one in the pound-for-pound pound rankings. Islam came in number two in the pound-for-pound pound rankings. Now, okay, pound-for-pound pound rankings, absolutely fairy tale. Rankings mean nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Who I, cares? I think after this, though, it just proves that Volkanovski is number one, the pound-for-pound pound rankings, because if we're to well, look he's, at... he's a 10-pound lighter fighter. Like yes, that. he's a 10-pound lighter fighter, and it was... Uh, Islam Makachev won the fight. We both agree with this, right? He won the fight based on two minutes of back control. Right, uh, we both agree with that. Like, well, you don't agree. You think he, you think he lost the fight? But, yeah, no, no, but it mean. came down to that. Like all the other yeah, parts yeah. of the fight, if it didn't come down to that, it, it would have been, uh, it would have gone a different way. Is that enough to say a guy with te- that's the champion ten pounds lighter is not a better pound for pound fighter than Makachev? Absolutely not. Like, it, it disprove Volkanovski is the number one pound for pound because it was so close, and. Like, I, I, some people I saw, oh, but McArthur just beat him. What are you talking about? I was like, are you fucking an idiot? Like, <laughs> what? I know, yeah, I know. Well, like, if it was in, uh, if it was, if they were in the same division and it was just like, who's the best lightweight yes. or who's the best featherweight, then yeah, yeah, I can see that. But yeah, I agree with you. 10 pounds is, is, you know, it's not boxing where there's a weight every, every kilo or two or every couple of pounds or, or whatever. It, there's, you know, 10 pounds is a big, big step up. But there's a reason why people, you know, historically haven't really, changed divisions and been successful uh, a lot and you know as you said this this fight these rounds were, were razor close and even even other rounds the first and the second round that he lost could have could have uh, changed on you know tiny little different uh, decisions or just uh, little bits of uh, 
should his egg should, when he's agged and stuff like that like just these minuscule things and this is a really close decision and uh yeah i do think that you know it makes sense what you're saying and maybe people are you know uh not really uh taken into account they just think that uh, pound for pound means like greatest fighter but not actually what it does mean indeed indeed Right, let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, the comment of which we alluded to there a second ago for the interim featherweight title, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. And uh, this wasn't half as competitive a fight, but a very fun fight for as long as it lasted. Uh, Yair Rodriguez came out in the first round and to me was absolutely piecing up uh, Josh Emmett. Emmett looked like... Nice and flowy, wasn't he? Uh, very he, flowy. He, he, even for him, you know, he's obviously yeah. got a lot of tools and can can... can put them together but in this fight he looked in the zone he looked like you know this was his moment and very early on it looked like Josh Emmett didn't really know what to do uh, he t- it, it, it took a couple of minutes for him even to throw, throw a strike I think uh, or to throw anything significant anyway and uh, yeah he had already had already kind of you know uh, gotten to his rhythm by then and was, was just he looked he looked phenomenal really uh, obviously Josh Emmett is is a bit of an old school style fighter, but he he's been a real problem for a lot of fighters. And and Gary Rodriguez just just absolutely ran through him. It was it was a phenomenal performance. Really rose to the occasion of you know obviously it's not a, a full title, but it's a it's an interim title. And um, you know he, he he looked like he he was ready. And you know sometimes when these guys are flashy and stuff, he, they have kind of um, uh, problems with the basics. But Gary Rodriguez. When he's on, he's 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 just phenomenal. And recently, he's been on more than he hasn't been on. And you know, uh, obviously, looking at Max Holloway and um, and uh, Arnold Allen, as you said, as a lot of people said, they were kind of disappointed that fight was made, even though it's a really good fight and it should be really entertaining and all that. Just that maybe they should have waited. And I don't think they're going to pull the fight, but I think. Hopefully, for the the kind of freshness of the division, and uh, Arnold Allen wins. Obviously, Max Holloway is a fan favorite and stuff like that. But it could end up going back into the sequence of Volkanovski <laughs> versus Max Holloway if if if, uh, if kind of things work out differently than, than than Arnold Allen winning that fight. Yeah, that's that's very true. Because like, <laughs> if Holloway does win that fight. He has beaten like the next guy <laughs> in line, so it's very difficult to know, I suppose, what to, what to actually do with that. But I suppose we'll, we'll digress on, on that for a second, um, and just to get back to the fight. But like it's funny, I said there, like yeah, you was piecing him up, and he was for the start to the first round, and he was in the second round. But we forget that Emmett almost kind of knocked him out, <laughs> and he did knock him out, but he knocked him down and wobbled Yair. I thought more than like. The commentary led on, or more than you know, more than it felt maybe to a lot of people in in the arena and stuff. It was, I like, I think he like seriously wobbled him there, and I gave that round to Emmett based on that. And that was a close round, and he could have gone to Yair, but Yair came out in the second round. I th- I think the body kicks uh, for they me were the, good. Yeah, they were good. Were, yeah, they were there. There were some vicious, like really Better fast the round baseballs. The round, to the, uh, there was still a few nice ones. There was he reacted. Um, you know, Josh Emmett's a fucking tough nosed guy. You could see on his face the way he kind of leaned over as well. That a couple of them had hurt him as well. But yeah, that shot definitely stunned the air. But I, I, I actually thought he won. The, did enough to win the round with the with the body work and you know the. 
the other strikes that he landed as well. Yeah, they, they both got hurt in at the start of the, the second round. It was just turning into a, kind of a war at that stage. Yeah, here the series of body kicks, you know, which you mentioned there, the, the best ones came in the second round and they like completely, you know, yeah, here was winning, but they took it to him for him massively I think I think those were the ones that kind of changed the fight into like an even fight which one guy was kind of winning with a chance of getting knocked out into a fight where one guy was ahead and then he was smashing him and he was after those kicks he was really smashing him the only thing that went against Jair he did the, the Eddie Alvarez style flying knee <laughs> <laughs> which I, you know me everyone knows I love that ended up getting taken down landed a series of elbows yeah, or the A style you mean yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez. Was oh, was it? Was it RDA? Was it? No, it was Eddie. Was it RDA? Oh, sorry. Eddie he did. Yeah, no, he actually. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, two yeah, RDA. Right, yeah, right. yeah, he did it on RDA. So the two of them were in there. But yeah, he got the armbar in armbar, armbar, and but then he switched the triangle, and uh, he ended up su- submitting uh, Josh Emmett from down there. But it was one yeah, of those ones. Was a, there, there was a couple of opportunities for Josh Emmett to get out. Yeah. Um, even his corner were shouting, "Watch the triangle!" And I think he was just a little bit. You know, didn't Art. respect enough the yeah. the office back game of Yair, and obviously it cost him. But I think there was maybe if Yair was known more as a jiu-jitsu guy rather than a striker, maybe you know Josh Emmett would have would have played that differently and had a bit, little bit more respect for the 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 ground game of Yair. And do you think it was because uh, he was hurt and he was trying to kind of rest there maybe for a while? Yeah, could have been. Maybe he, maybe he made the calculation that I'm, I'm getting bashed to the body here on the feet, and I can't take more, many more of these. So I'll take my chances <laughs> with this triangle attempt, with these uh, triangle um, attempts. You know, probably not a bad idea. To, to be fair, yeah, it could be. Like I've never taken fucking what is it, like six yeah. or seven base lightning quick baseball bat shots to the, to the liver or whatever. I haven't so. either, but I don't think they'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, for me, for being honest, yeah, yeah, fucking hell, yeah. put me like a launcher. Put, put, put me in a triangle. I'll, I'll tap out in two minutes. That'd be no problem. But um. Um, yeah, I, I agree with the point of uh, as well about maybe him not respecting the grappling of Yair. We've seen it in the past, like, Yair, Yair can grapple. Even though afterwards in the uh, interview, he was like, oh, I remember I got someone in a triangle before, and my coach taught me, put my ankle underneath my knee, and he's like, it worked. So I, I remember that, I remember that, and I did it again. I was like, I've never trained jiu-jitsu in my life, but is that not, like, the most common thing in jiu-jitsu to put the fucking ankle underneath me? I remember hearing that when I started watching him. I don't know if it was, like, lost in translation or something that he was, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was, it was, I thought it was just funny. It was, you know, it was, it was nice more than anything else. You know, it was, it was kind of a funny moment, but, um, yeah. Look, it was, it was one of those fights that the, the, the main event was one that you can, like, deeply analyze, I think, in term, terms of the, the technique and the tactics, whereas this one was kind of just, Emmett likes to land big shots. He didn't do that early because he was kind of caught in the headlights. Yair was very flowy, as you say. Then Emmett landed one shot in him. Yair started to be getting flowy again, and Emmett just started trying to throw bombs at the start of the second round. Yair ate him up, ate him up, ate him up, and then submitted him. And that was kind of the story of it. And, and it, do you know what as well, though? It's great for Yair because, like, and it's great for MMA fans because we have a guy, right, who we always thought was a really good fighter who proved that he's now a really good fighter after, like, not having that many fights in the last while. 
And okay, it's an interim and all of that, but he has the belt to show that. But now what for, for MMA fans, we have this like really exciting guy holding the belt. And if he goes in there and he fights Aaron Lallan, or he fights Max Holloway, or he fights Volkanovski, whichever it may be, and it's probably going to be Volkanovski, we have the prospect of like a really exciting fight in our hands. Because it's hard to fight Yario Rodriguez and not have an exciting fight. Even we saw last night he was taken down, the fight was underground, and it was still exciting. He still ended up getting a submission. So that's, that's brilliant. Like sometimes... Like, even McCatchev, and it's unfair because he had an exciting fight last night, but he wins the title and you're kind of thinking, ah, this is just going to be a guy dominating like five or six guys in a row here now until maybe someone can beat him or maybe he moves on or whatever. And it it happens a lot, I think, in in mixed martial arts, that sort of thing. And, you know, maybe it's it's an unconscious bias against wrestlers or whatever, but I actually think it's a bias against domination more so than wrestlers. It doesn't matter really if they're wrestlers. It just so happens that wrestlers are often the most dominant, uh, you know, fighters and so on. Like GSP was one. He wrestled a lot, but he a lot of his fights were won by like jabbing and dominating guys. Whereas with Yair, you like you can kind of and, and Charles Oliveira was the same. You could well, GSP was kind of mm-hmm. a lot more loose with his uh, with his attacks when he was on the way up, and once he got yes. to the top, he became a lot more kind of safety conscious. And you know, um, obviously back then, you know, as we talked about earlier, being on top and grappling scored a lot more. And maybe GSP would have done it differently if the, if he was in the criteria, the judging criteria that we have now. But yeah, some guys we see, and hopefully, I don't think it will happen with you here. But sometimes we see them be. When, when they have to fight five rounds regularly and they are holding the belt, they become more kind of tactical than, than wild, like, like Yair has been. I don't think that's in Yair's makeup, though, <laughs> to, be, to be fair. That has definitely happened, happened with Woodley, it happened with GSP, it happened with loads of different people. I don't think it's going to happen with Yair, though, and it'll be interesting, you know, to see, uh, I suppose, how that goes, because Volkanovski and him just looks like... Would you, well, yeah, uh, I don't think so either, but, you know, there's been guys that you wouldn't have expected it from before, and it's happened, but, like, is, is, is he and, and others, but, yeah, I do agree that Yair just seems to have that kind of balls to the wall kind of in his DNA yeah I I must say as well after uh, last night about the I suppose the pantheon of featherweight champions that Yair Rodriguez now joins you know you have obviously Volkanovski who won the belt from Holloway who won it from Jose Aldo who obviously got the belt back after Conor McGregor had won it from him and like what an array of talent there has been in that division. Like, to me, looking at the history of all the belts, it is the most high-level historical belt ever. And Yair joining that now, he's like a bit of a bit to live up to there, I think. He's, he's probably the first guy well, ever who hasn't proven to be world-class to hold the belt yet. Yeah, well, he doesn't hold the full belt, we got to remember that. Yes, that's true. Though. That is true as well. But, I like, it's interesting. I put up a thing last night. I ended up deleting it because people took it wrong. But, like... The level that they have, yeah, McGregor was the only one to actually move weight classes and win the title. Like, sometimes, look, so, sometimes we we don't appreciate greatness enough. But, like, you look at all those great fighters and you look at the level that McGregor was actually able to win it. Now, we're Irish and we're a bit biased and all of that. Absolutely. Shame on us. But, God almighty, let's admire that. Sometimes he doesn't get enough credit for that. But how fucking huge that was. Volkanovski wasn't able to do it. Aldo wasn't able to go down and do it. Um, Max Holloway wasn't able to go up and beat Parry and do it. Yet McGregor was able to do it. Even even though he had the two Diaz fights before it, he still was able to do it. Absolutely massive. And we should fucking appreciate that a little bit more. Whether you hate McGregor or you love McGregor, it doesn't 
doesn't matter. The ability to And don't forget do the that. style in which he did it as well. You yeah. know, that has to be factored in, in my opinion. Unbelievable. Obviously, Absolutely. We've talked, unbelievable. we've talked about that Eddie Alvarez fight before, but that was an absolute masterclass. And, uh, you know, going up weights, I said it earlier, it's different than in boxing. It's, it's, you know, especially in these divisions that are so stacked, like 40, 145 and 155, absolutely stacked divisions. Like, to be a champion there, you really have to be a really well-rounded fighter. Um, if you have big flaws in your game, you know, usually you, you won't get anywhere near the top of these divisions. And even even if you don't have flaws in your games, you can, like, many flaws in your games, like Volkanovski, you can just come up against, you know, a difficult style matchup and a, another upper echelon, you know, great champion and you can lose so yeah there's a reason why it's been um especially at the lower weights has been done so few times yeah 100%. i feel like the last two weeks i've been like the the conor mcgregor spokesman and i <laughs> like i i shouldn't be that but there, do you know what i hate in mma and i did this at ronda rousey as well i hate when people like try to rewrite history to make someone uh, seem like they're shit you know ronda rousey was a great fighter oh, from when she was yeah, mcgregor yeah, was yeah. a great fighter in like that eleven month stretch was absolutely fucking unbelievable. If John Jones goes out and loses to Cyril Gagne, he was still a fucking great fighter. It does it, like it. That really fuck. I hate that shit. I was so glad last week the way that uh, Bellator, you know, brought Fedor in and they brought Matthews and they brought Mark Coleman and all, you know, a lot of the, well, a lot of the greats plus Shell Tannen. Uh, <laughs> and and they, you know, they, they gave him their juice. But like, we need to do that a little bit more. And okay, I've picked McGregor here, so everyone's talking, oh, well, you're, you're sucking off McGregor. But I do it Ronda Rousey as well. Do it with lots of the great fighters down through the years. Like, yeah. The sport but, wouldn't be where it is without these fighters, yes. and that should be appreciated. You know? Yes. Like, look, Jose Aldo's the perfect example, right? He lost to McGregor, he lost to Volkanovski, he lost to Holloway. It'd be easy to write him off, like, oh, he lost all the other champions. What, what are you talking about? Jose Aldo won the greatest fighters of all time, and we should appreciate that, even though he lost afterwards. Volkanovski lost last night. Who cares? He's still one of the greatest fighters of all time. He put on an astonishing yeah. fucking display. But even, like, Anderson Silva, like, go back to them performances, like, when he, in his heyday, even yes. when he was in his late 30s against, like, Forrest Griffin, who was the champion... Uh, recently before at the you know even bigger weight discrepancy of 20 pounds step up and like that performance against Forrest Griffin was phenomenal and like you know it's a thing where you're better off retiring on top because people remember you as this, as this untouchable guy and if you you know age always catches up and you always you, it always ends badly if you keep fighting on but as you said that shouldn't taint how you were at your peak and how how good you were and what you achieved and all of that stuff so it is a shame that it that it these things do seem to be tainted in a lot of people's minds but maybe a, a, a bit of distance and when we look back at it historically it'll be appreciated more oh sometimes i think the distance actually makes us not appreciate it less to be honest but may, maybe small you know five years makes us appreciate it less maybe 15 years will make us appreciate it more but we'll like we'll wait and see and like a, I have so much respect for someone like Volkanovski who tested himself and went up. McGregor tested himself and went up. You know, the likes of Frank Edgar went around to divisions, tested themselves, had the biggest fights. So much respect for them. Like, and you, yeah, GSP did it. And uh, we need to remember all those. Anyway, we'll we'll move on because we could spend you know years talking about that. Um, Jack de la Maddalena is brilliant. This guy. He just waited for Randy Brown to, like, do what he was going to do, looked at it for, like, three minutes, and then just said, okay, I know what you're going to do, punched him once in the face and submitted him. That was basically it. 
he's just the 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 balls to do what he did to just do nothing for three minutes of a round. There's only fifteen minutes in the fucking fight, and to do nothing for two and a half three minutes. That takes serious balls. Usually, like, people get drawn in and they have to do something. They have to throw a punch just to throw a punch, just to do something. Jack Delamanalita didn't. He just waited. In front of his home crowd as well, yeah. you know, just staying patient, so patient. And Randy Brown was actually, like, you know, uh, fighting better than or moving better than he usually moves. Uh, looked, looked, you know. 100%. Looked good. And... You know, even the punch that landed, it didn't actually look like a. Uh, I was wondering, was it the fact that he kind of landed on his head? <laughs> that, did that kind of double the impact or yeah. add to the impact and kind of have him more disorientated than he would have been from the punch? But either way, yeah, Jack uh, stayed so calm, like as you said, and patient and picked his spot and just waited for his opportunity. And once the opportunity did come, you could see, you know, the killer instinct and. Um, yeah, just just a phenomenal finish. Uh, smelt blood and, you know, picked the shots well, uh, overwhelmed them and, yeah, uh, got the rear naked choke. I, th- I think it was the placement of the shot as well, the fact that hit him right behind the ear and disorientated him and then he hit his head off the ground. Very, very tough. I like the movement, how quick he was to jump on the back and get the rear naked choke. Absolutely brilliant. I'm sure, look, Harry Powell is going to wax lyrical for probably a half an hour on the takeaways on, on Tuesday. So we'll, uh, we'll leave it till that. But God almighty, I, I could wax lyrical about Jack Della Maddalena as well. One of my favorite fighters to watch. And this guy is, if he's not ranked this week, he, he's going to be ranked sometime soon. He's phenomenal. Um, they put up like a graphic of like the top win streaks and stuff. And it's him and Michelle Pereira as like the two guys... On those win streaks, I'd like that fight. I would watch that fucking fight. That'd be a good five-round fight headliner of a fight night. Give me that, please. Let's let's do that. Are you up for that, Graham? Jack Della Madalena versus Michelle Pereira? Yeah, that'd, that'd be a great fight. Uh, you know, just before we move on from, from this, I just had a kind of side point, but doing more shows in Australia and, you know, stuff like that, I think, like, the UFC need to get back to that. Obviously, the 100%. Apex was was uh was great for the the time and the, the pandemic and all that stuff and it, 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 yeah, maybe like the odd fight night but getting getting these you know big fight feels from the crowd uh, like for these um, you even mentioned that the the undercard was a bit underwhelming and it kind of got the card got going late but the fans kind of made it you know uh, twice as entertaining as as it would have been if it was in the apex you know what i mean um or even in uh, even in Vegas in a kind of half interested crowd. I think going to places like Canada, they haven't been in a long time, and Australia more, and you know the UK and, and Ireland obviously would be great for us. Do like getting back on the road. I think I think it adds to the the big fight feel and the big event feel, and you know I think that's important to the UFC, and they've kind of stepped away from that too much. Uh, I would agree. Like. I actually don't mind the the, the uh, Apex events as much as other people. But what do you know what they need to do more? They need to do more. They're doing it with the pay-per-views. They need to do more like big three-quarter level cards, if you want to put it that way. Like they need to do a big card in Ireland. They need to do a big card in like Manchester or something that's not a pay-per-view. You know, they need to go to Germany, go to Italy, go to Australia. I don't know why they're not doing that as much. It's, it's, it's a costing. I know why they're doing it. But, yeah, to, I think to grow the sport and to be the, the world leader, they need to do that more. But, we, you know, again. Um, Justin Taffa, Parker Porter. Parker Porter. Uh, Justin like, uh, just out. before you move on, it feels what? like a bigger win for uh, Della Madalena because... Because he's at home, yeah. 
Does. Yeah, because he's at home. Like if he had to just beat Randy Brown in in you know half empty crowd in Vegas Arena or in the Apex, it it probably would have seemed like it meant a lot less. It made me think like why are why isn't Ian Gary fighting in Ireland next? Like PFL are putting on the card here, Bellator are putting on the card here, Katie Taylor's gone boxing here. Why can't the UFC put on a fucking card in Ireland? You know. They announced the car before the pandemic, yeah. so like, uh, why not? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Ireland has been open for a good while. Like, we've had just fucking a shitload of cage wires putting on a card. We have a shitload of cards coming up. Like, there's, a, there's Ireland is open. Like, the, the pandemic is over. It's gone. Like, here we go. Come on. And they're just not doing it. It's, it's a bit weird, but anyway. Um, as I said, Park Reporter got knocked out by Justin Daffa. <laughs> Jimmy Cruden and Lonzo Minifield Graham did you see my picks for the fights at the weekend yeah I did I did <laughs> fair play did you, did, you, did you bet on it or, uh, or no? no I didn't but Patrick bet he only put 50 cents in it but 60, 65 to 1 he won like 33 quid or whatever it is 50 cent fucking yeah, hell that's all put on at least the fucking five or something come on mate like, nah, but it's, like it's, it's, it's an outside bet but yeah I just like my thought here was more maybe of a 10-8 than a, than, a, than a point deduction, to be honest. Well, that is a 10-8, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, was, I yeah, but, yeah. yeah. It was close, but Yeah, I don't know. That's fucking, that's mad. That's, I think you called one draw before in the history of your yeah, picks. Yeah, and it almost was a draw. There was a point, or there was a 10-8 in that as well, but it was, yeah. I, I think it was so a you haven't, you haven't been fishing for this for ages and like throwing oh. it in randomly a lot, so yeah, that's it, a, in, fair, in fairness to you, like, yeah, yeah. Credit, so, credit's due. It was only my second one and almost both of them came off, so... I think I might retire it after this. I don't like. Were you, were you celebrating as? Yeah, a, I, was. <laughs> I was. Loving it. I was the happiest man it. in the world at that yeah, point. I'm about <laughs> I was. Or maybe Patrick. Were you watching uh, with Patrick? Right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I think uh, he. Had, I think he hilarious. had bet for the fight to go to a decision as well. So he won fucking two bets in that. My bets were just awful fucking last night. So I wasn't celebrating too much. But um, I picked all the right winners except for that one. Uh, yeah. I didn't pick a draw. I, got, I didn't get Volkanovski. Although he was robbed blind by the fucking judges. Now. Yeah, I got the rest of them right. Um, Manessis Bukowskis, what a performance from him. As good as Bukowskis was, I think Pedro was yeah, as bad. He was fucking horrible. I don't know. Bukowskis, he, he nearly, you know, let the round slip away. I thought he could have done more uh, offense, uh, and his corner was going absolutely berserk, calling for it as well. And he just seemed a little bit. A little bit hesitant, even though it was a it was a great win and a great performance. I think he he could have maybe he had a little bit too much respect for Tyson Pedro and maybe expected a bit more from him and didn't want to commit himself. And it obviously worked out in the end. But I think he could have made the rounds clearer, even though I, I thought he was a deserved winner. I wonder with Tyson Pedro, is it all his injuries? I think he didn't have real bad knee injuries. I wonder can he like not do cardio anymore because like he seemed fucked tired after about two and a half minutes. He was like me after climbing the flight of stairs. Like he looks so fucking tired. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was absolutely. I've never seen anything like it. It was ridiculous how tired he was looking there. Like and you know, take nothing away from Bukowski's because like it was a ner- nervy type of fight as well. And he came through. It's on short notice as well. Which yeah, has short to be, notice. You know, yeah. factored in. And I thought he performed very, very well. Like I, I picked Pedro. I thought he was going to knock him out early. To be honest, I betting it even, and I was a hundred percent wrong. Credit, <clears throat> massive credit to Bukowski's. He. Uh, he deserved it. Now he goes on, you know, after winning the cage warriors belt, he's back and he's on a good run now. So great to see, you know, he had a bad injury as well. You know, he had a bad, bad knee injury as well. So credit to him on that. Um, Joshua Kulabau, as we mentioned earlier on, Alan Philpott, 
in his corner Alan Fitball actually had a fight earlier in the day and he came in his, his corner uh, he ended up losing that fight unfortunately Alan but he will be delighted to get the win here with Josh Koulibaly who looks a real prospect at 11-1 and one. got a real bad kick in the balls but came back uh, and got the rear naked joke like it looked, turn, turning side kick yeah, yeah. fucking heel to the balls yeah. it looked like a fight in there to be honest the way he was between yeah. rounds but yeah back. even in his corner he was saying oh I, can, I can't really breathe <laughs> yeah. like he should have taken the full five minutes mate yeah. he's funny as well Josh like, Joshua afterwards the way he was talking and stuff it's you know he's like we all played that game growing up where we'd smash each other on the balls <laughs> it's like yeah we fucking did to be fair yeah you're right so good win for him and uh, he moves on uh, and we went through all, all the rest of them I suppose um, I like everyone's talking about Jack Jenkins I'm going to need to see a little bit more out of him I think he did look good but need to see more uh, very unimpressed with Francisco Prado against Jamie Malarkey Jamie Malarkey called out Paddy Pimblett afterwards um, I know I think Spencer has called for that fight before I think a few people have I think that actually makes a good bit of sense to be honest similar enough records you know similar enough place in the UFC let's you know let's make it happen let's make it happen why not uh, the first fight of the night as well uh, Elvis Brenner against Siberia to who got people calling this a robbery um went back and watched it afterwards because you know the way the first fight and you're kind of half watching you're eating a bit of food and stuff um I wouldn't call it a robbery but I don't think the right guy won um I think the f- second round was the only clear round and that was for Tuhugov and uh, I think one of the judges didn't score it for him so I think that's a very bad card that one um one and three could have gone either way I gave all three rounds to Tuhugov I can see a 29-28 Brenner I think the bad card was the 30-27 uh, to Brenner um I wouldn't call it a robbery but I would call it a bad decision I maybe. think it was the wrong guy won wrong yeah. Guy won, yeah. <sighs> you know I thought the first two rounds were the second round was definitely clear but I thought the first was quite clear as well um yeah I, I thought the I, I yeah I thought the wrong guy won yeah unfortunately uh, yeah, you, you know uh, you know we talk about the judges all the time but like we should we should probably talk more about the fact that you know they get a base pay and a win pay and this guy's getting half his money yeah it's it's i think it's a it's a bad it's a bad some bad cards there and the, and the wrong guy won it's 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 one that wasn't close enough that i think I it, was, it, was, it yeah, wasn't that I bad know. i think the first and third were very close i think but yeah, it, it, when look, it's it's bad as well when the second round is the most clear round that guy won it, and lot most people had the other two rounds for that guy as well. It just seems a lot worse, but um, yeah. And when you get the thirty twenty seven the other way yeah. as well, you're expecting when the thirty twenty seven is announced, you're expecting okay, yeah, it's it, we we know which way it's going, and it goes the other way. It's a bit it's, it's a bit jarring, which probably adds to the to the what the fuck. But yeah, I, I do think the wrong guy won that. Indeed. Uh, next week, so Graham, we have UFC, and then look the week after we have obviously the big Bellator Ireland card. And we will be pre- previewing that next week. Uh, the UFC card next week goes down in the UFC Apex. Graham, we're back. We're back. Nine PM next Saturday. The big night. fight feel, you know. What a fight though, Jessica Andrade versus Aaron Blanchfield. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a really sure good fight, but you, you, I don't know. I'm. Is it a little too early for Blanchfield? Maybe to, to be. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know about this matchmaking. To be honest, I think yeah. they they probably could have and should have waited a little bit. And you know, she's what is she? 22, 23 years old. Yeah, so, I think they, they could have waited here, but maybe yeah. you know, obviously. Uh, she might go in and win and even if she loses she'll probably learn a lot from it and it will stand to her but I think uh, I was surprised 
uh, with this matchup. But it is an exciting one, and there's a lot of questions around it, and um, it's a big chance to prove herself. But uh, I think it's a big ask for for Aaron Blanchfield. So the UFC kind of fucked themselves here because they moved the Cheeto Vera versus Sandhagen fight to another card. Um, and if they had taken Blanchfield off of it, so Blanchfield was supposed to fight uh, Talia Santos. Apparently it was a visa issue or something like that. Um, and if they had cancelled that fight, there's nothing else on this card. Like, this card is fucking shit. Maybe you could have put Jim Miller versus Alex Hernandez. That's on short notice as well, I think. I think Hernandez only just took that fight. So there's nothing else. You kind of had to find someone for Blanchfield. But, like, should that be enough of a reason? You, could, to you, like, could, you couldn't have got somebody to somebody to higher profile to fight OSP or something. I suppose you're messing around with more fights then. And, yeah. yeah, it gets messy. But, like, I don't think how, saving one fucking Apex card is important enough to like possibly derail a prospect as good as Aaron Manfield. Now, if she goes out and wins, which she might, she absolutely might. She's brilliant. Uh, we'll be saying something very different because it'll skyrocket her and she'll be fighting for a title next more than likely. Yeah, it's probably, I would agree with you. It's a little bit too risky. And like uh, after that, like Zach Boaga is not that good. He's fighting Jordan, right? You know, we've seen like everyone else in the card almost. I mean, maybe there's one or two up and comers that I'm missing out on, but like we've almost like seen what everyone else in the card is you know maybe Askabov he's 23 and all coming in there's a few guys like there's a few uh, Clayton Carpenter 6 and all you know a couple of guys 7 and 1 there in the card as well but like we have Jim Miller we've like Josh Breezian we have William Knight we have OSP we've Lena Landsberg we've kind of seen kind of what all of them are they're not prospects they're not going to be winning or fighting for titles probably anytime soon like why are they even on these cards like remember Dana White used to say before like, we only want people in the UFC who are going towards being the best in the world and fighting for a title. Has well, that, that, that was before they had a 450 <laughs> million cards every week. Like so. Yeah, yeah, but that has there ever been a more ridiculous thing here? But you look at this, right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 fights in this card. Is there any need for it? Like, And two of them got fucking cancelled. Is there are more than two, I'd say. Is there any need for all of this? Like, get rid of half of it. <laughs> down, down with this sort of thing. Down with this. Here, here's a list of where's that? Where's that soundboard clip you have there, Sean? Uh, oh, here we go. Hold on. Here's the people you need to cut from this card, right? Jamal Emers. Everyone. <laughs> Timba Garimbo. Never heard of him. AJ Fletcher. OSP. Cut OSP. Philip Linz. Uh, I'll keep Marla Bruno Silva. I like her. Lena Landsberg, just for Philip O'Connor, I'll keep her. Clayton Carpenter against Juan Kimalo Ronderas, cut the both of them. Cut the two lads who are seven and all. Cut Jim Miller, sorry Jim. Cut Alexander Hernandez. Cut yeah, Josh Bruins in. Put, these put guys won't nice. be able to put food on their, on their, their tables. Cut them all. Cut them all. Evil, evil. Give me one, give me a one night fight night card. And I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Cut them all. Cut everyone. Um... All right, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, anything else happen in the world of MMA, Graham? Or are we like, do you know? Uh, we look up. Don't know. You, you tell me. I don't. <laughs> I'm in bed in Angel. You know, I've been watching fights and and stuff like that. You know, not not much kind of happens. But sure, look at, I um yeah. Any crack with you? Any like, do you talk to? Oh, there's oh, there's a few interviews up on uh, on Severe May now. I think. Uh, who was it? Andy spoke to uh, who did he speak to? Uh, Pedro Ped, Pedro Carvalho. He spoke to, and he has is Gunny Nelson. Gunny Nelson. He's interviewed Gunny Nelson coming up as well. Letting he saw good stuff there from Andy. Oh, last thing as well before we go. Um, Jins Pulver in the UFC Hall of Fame. Jose Aldo a couple of weeks ago. We never talked about it in the UFC Hall of Fame. 
we talked about Josie Aldo earlier on today and we all know how deserving he is but Jins Pulvergram very deserving of getting into it as well one of the uh, the legends of the early days of the lightweight sports light, lighter pioneers yeah, yeah some, some brilliant fights uh, you know obviously uh those divisions were kind of the UFC and Dana White were reluctant to kind of bring them in and they came and they went and things like that and these guys kind of maybe are a little bit forgotten by by new by not Aldo obviously but uh, Jens Pulver are kind of forgotten by new fans and to get that recognition is great the UFC Hall of Fame is just though I don't know about the UFC Hall of Fame they have all these like stupid wings and all this all this stuff and just like I don't know it, it, the politics around it, like if if certain guys that should be there aren't there because of disagreeing, I don't know. It's just I don't know if it has much credibility to be honest. But for these guys, obviously, probably they don't think about that stuff. They want to be in the Hall of Fame, and for them, it's 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 great. But yeah, I wouldn't put too much. I'd like to see a you know maybe a unbiased MMA Hall of Fame, but that's very difficult to do. Are we going? Uh, are we going to start in the Irish MMA Hall of Fame? Are we going to do it? Oh, it's just too much hassle. People <laughs> just get fucking angry over everything. Uh, I'd like to do it, but like, it, it is a lot of hassle. It is a lot of hassle. We'd have to do like an open vote, not an open voting, but like, Dave Meltzer does it very well with his Hall of Fame thing. I think he's like loads of people voting, but like, there, are, there aren't actually that many people. The pro- Look, the problem with voting in, say, like an Irish MMA thing is like, if you give a vote to like 10 SPG lads, they'll vote for the SPG fighter if you give a lad to te- uh, you vote to 10 KF lads they'll vote for the KF fighter or Rhino lads they'll vote for it's it's very hard to get people to actually like vote unbiasedly <laughs> it's all like logically and stuff and things like that so that'd be that'd be my kind of like take away from it but that'd, that'd be hard to do but anyway Spe- speaking of Irish MMA as well Johnny Walker is fighting Anthony Smith May 13th why is that not in fucking Ireland put that on in Ireland like come on Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe they don't. They don't know about the kind of the fact that Irish fans will adopt anybody yes. <laughs> who's uh, who's over here. So uh, maybe that's part of it. They don't really understand that part of it. But yeah, I think uh, it's unfortunate that uh, obviously the pandemic kind of stifled that their plans to come to Ireland. Maybe you know. <sighs> The fact that you know Dana was so excited after being in Dublin the the couple of times that they were a few years ago, but the fact that like you know a lot of things have happened, the years have passed. You you know if they had to come just before the pandemic, maybe they'd be more eager to come back, and they've kind of forgotten about how passionate and how you know excited excited the exciting the cards are here and and all that stuff. But yeah, give give us our chance again. We'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll definitely make a make a big deal of it as as we always do and. You know, even even the as we said earlier, just even if they had you know Irish guys fighting in in the UK, you know people will make the journey and you know it, 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 obviously going over to the to Vegas for a, a big fight. Uh, we've seen that in the past with McGregor and stuff, but it, it, it's expensive to do, and you, you kind of need you need a really really big reason to do it and. Um, I, uh, like obviously people like Ian Gary that you mentioned earlier it'll be it'll be uh, the fight just has such much, much much significance and hype and 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 everything when you know if 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 any of Ian Gary's current UFC wins were were in Dublin to be he'd be a bigger star than he is now or even in the UK he'd be a bigger star than, uh, but like, than he is now it is Dublin but I think if he had 
a fight or two in Dublin, then people will start to travel for him as the hype builds if he keeps winning. Yeah, That's people will be invested. Then people will be paying more attention. He'd be a bigger. He'd be a bigger deal. And you know, um, obviously, um, you know, he's he seems happy enough to 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 fight wherever the UFC tell him, but. You know, it just makes a lot of sense to to put on an Irish card, and um, hopefully we we get an announcement. But I I, I just don't think they're. Uh, I don't know. I think they've gonna put it on the back burner, and it's gonna stay there for a while, unfortunately. Indeed. All right, we'll uh, we we'll leave the podcast there for this week, lads. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you are listening to this, don't be a fucking freeloader and click subscribe. <laughs> it's free. It's free. You're, like if you don't click subscribe right now, you're a fucking freeloader. Click subscribe. I'm I'm robbing that from uh, this lad Sam, the cooking guy who I listen to on uh, on YouTube. He's or on yeah, I watch on YouTube. Oh really? I was like, Sean's getting kind of very aggressive here. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. It's his gimmick, and I'm just going to steal it. So yeah, if you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube, if you're listening on SoundCloud or anywhere, we, maybe we might have video coming soon. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, click subscribe, iTunes, Spotify. If you could leave a review as well, that'd be great. Most of our reviews are from like years ago because we've been doing the podcast on eight years, Graham. This week eight years since the first uh, episode of the severe my podcast this week in a fucking long time so a lot of our reviews are from like eight years ago so if anyone's been listening the last couple of years and hasn't left a review yet that'd be absolutely great we'd appreciate that so and if uh, you can head over on youtube we're we're closing in on um 30,000 subscribers we've really we've i think nearly or over doubled our uh nearly subscriber count in the last in the last few months or even year or whatever so yeah, we're we're making a push there. There's loads of content going up there, and uh, loads loads of insightful, detailed breakdowns and things like that, and interviews going up. There's loads of different content, and even some some funny shorts and some predictions, and just loads of different variety. And we'd appreciate it if you could go over to to YouTube and subscribe and help us keep growing. And if you want to do even more, Patreon.com forward slash Severe My Podcast. Price of a breakfast roll a month. We get you loads of sure, extra do, do it all or you're a freeloader or whatever, freeloader. Whatever Don't be a said. fucking freeloader Like don't be a <laughs> We need to get that tea on a t-shirt Don't be a fucking freeloader I, I, I like the freeloaders <laughs> Yeah the freeloaders are sound as well Yeah fair play them Fair play them Alright we leave it there God bless y'all Graham See us out with a, uh, an old quote for the week If you have five seconds to spare Then I'll tell you the story of my life 16 clumsy and shy That's the story of my life We'll we'll see you next Tuesday or probably Sunday.